it's often cited as a truism, nice guys finish last. And it's attributed to Leo DeRocher, who was not a very nice guy. But that truism kind of gets blown apart, Jamie, when we're talking about the man that's headed to the hall. A nice guy is headed to the hall. Jim Leland is one of my favorite people, and that's not just because I'm from Pittsburgh. I interviewed him professionally working here when he worked for the Tigers, and he still works for the Tigers, and now he's heading to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Skipper, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Great to be on with you guys. Uh, I mean, just give us your initial reaction to getting this call. There's a picture um, going all over social media, you on the phone and your wife there. Yeah, well, it was, you know, it was, I was, I didn't think it was going to happen because they told me that it was that window between 6.30 and 7.15. So it it got to be about 10 or 7, actually about quarter to 7. I said, well, this is not going to happen because they'd have called by now. And, and uh, my son and my wife and my daughter kept saying, well, there's a reason there's a window. You never know. But I, I just went up and laid down for a couple minutes to kind of get my thoughts together. And uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say I was pouting, but I was I was still thinking about everything, a million things going through my head. And and uh, all of a sudden, uh, uh, my son and my wife and my daughter come up the steps and just as they did, the phone rang. So it was unbelievable. I just I, could, I actually couldn't believe it. So put put your put yourself in the shoes of young Jim Leland as he was uh, coming into the system, the farm system as a young man and where you are now. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I tell everybody, you know, I signed with the Tigers as a, as a youngster in, in 1963 in the fall of 63, my first spring training in 64. And I was in the minor leagues 18 straight years with the Tigers uh, as a player and a manager, 11 as a manager. But, uh, you know, when you sign with somebody in 1963 and you don't get there till 2006, that's a long time to wait. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, Coach, you are so beloved here in, in the city of Detroit and the, the, by the, the players and, and the people here. Um, do I, I know you wish you could have brought a, a World Series here to the city of Detroit, don't you? Oh, there's no question about that. That's, you know, that's one of my biggest regrets because we had a chance. You know, I felt that in both cases that we were just as good for sure or maybe the better team we didn't win. So it was quite a disappointment, but uh, it is what it is. You know, the, the, that's the way this game is. There's wins and there's losses. There's, uh, you know, great celebrations and there's heartbreaks. So that's just the way it goes. And uh, But I do certainly regret that. I would have, you know, we shared some great moments up there and, and, and uh, we just fell short of probably sharing the greatest one. When you got the call, sort of what went through your mind? Did anecdotes flash through your head? I mean, so many people are posting their Jim Leland stories. I have a couple with your feet on the desk and the cigarette smoke going. Uh, sort of what anecdotes did come to mind for you? Well, you just had a flashback of this whole your whole career, basically. You know, minor league, over with the White Sox, getting your first opportunity with the Pirates, winning the World Series in Florida. You know, I had a misstep in Colorado. I didn't do a good job. And then, uh, you know, scouting for the Cardinals for six years. And, and, and all of a sudden, Dave calls me. And, and uh, you know, we got together and I ended up getting a Tiger job. I mean, all those things slash through your head. It, 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 it's like you're going a, a mile a minute, you know. And it really hasn't settled down just yet. But hopefully things are going to settle down a little bit now. Jim, when you started in this league in 1963, the average salary was $20,000. <laughs> Now that I think, you know, the shoestring contract gets you more than that. Um, Talk to me about how you had to evolve in this 
hyper-financial, ego-fueled locker room and clubhouse and, and how you had to evolve to, to manage those egos with all the money that was flowing. Well, you know, they're, they're young people that obviously make a lot of money, but they're great guys. You know, they come to work in a, you know, a nice T-shirt or something, a pair of jeans. They're young people. And, you know, they're making a lot of money, but they're, they're great guys. I, and I don't think, I've always believed that, you know, when you're a good guy and those players are good guys, when you're a good guy, it doesn't matter whether you're making 6,000 or 6 million. Uh, you are what you are. And, uh, you know, your lifestyle changes a little bit. You probably got a nicer house, a nicer car, all that goes with it, I guess. But at the same time, they, they don't change. You know, they're, they're, they're really good guys. And, uh, I'm very fortunate to have been able to manage those guys all my career, including the minor league guys that never made it. I got a lot of texts from those guys, those kids that played for me in the minor sure. leagues that never made it. So, it, you know, it, it's it's great. Uh, Coach, 700 games you won with the Tigers, uh, 851 games with the Pirates in a World Series, uh, 97 with the Florida Marlins. You have been successful in, in many areas on many teams. Do you know at this time, has it been a determination or – uh, what logo is going to go on that plaque in Cooperstown? Well, that, that's the question that's been the most popular question, and I've answered it the same way because it's the way it is right now. I, uh, the Hall of Fame ends up making that decision for you, uh, so you don't really uh, you don't really have a choice if they say this is what we want you to do. But you you do have conversation with them about it. But and the way I feel right now, and I hope everybody would understand this, you know, I, when you manage four different franchises, you have to be careful. It's hard to, you know, obviously Detroit was huge. We won the uh, World Series in Florida. You know, the Pittsburgh Pirates gave me my first opportunity. I live in Pittsburgh. I work for Detroit. So right now I think we're leaning towards probably no logos like Tony LaRusso did because he managed Oakland and he managed St. Louis. Mm. Uh, so we're not really sure about that. Um, but we're going to have further discussions with that. But no decision has been made at this time. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to disres- I'm not going to disrespect any one of the franchises that I manage. Uh, Jim, we ran a soundbite from you. You were on MLB Tonight, and you said something along the lines of, "If you're honest with a player, you lose him for 24 hours. If you're dishonest, you lose him forever." And I, well, I think that's poignant. I just think it's. Uh, I, I think I use the word mislead. You know, it's hard to. You know, to break hearts sometimes, you know, when you're having issues with players and everything. But I think if you in any way mislead a player, I think you probably lose him forever. But if you look him in the eye and tell him exactly the way it is and the truth, then you probably lose him for 24 hours. And, uh, you know, after 24 hours, it's all over with. You were honest with him. He knows that, might not like it, but he knows you were honest with him. But if you misled him in any way, you probably lost him forever. Well, that proves the minor league guys texting you because a lot of times you were saying you didn't make the team, but they were texting you. They're proud of you now. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they you know they never made it to the big leagues, so you you break a lot of hearts. I mean, I released a lot of young players yeah. during my time. It's just your job in the minor leagues, and I mean, I've always said it was more difficult for me to release some kid that was nineteen, twenty years old that you broke his heart. He knew he was never gonna. Get, get his dream. It wasn't going to come true. It was harder to do that than it was to release a veteran player to major league level that had a lot of success, made a lot of money, might have been an MVP. It was actually harder sure. to talk to those minor league guys than it was some of the major league guys. Because you've been that guy. 
Well, I was I I got released and it broke my heart. But fortunately, I was able to hang on and, and get a job managing the minor leagues. And, and and of course, now the rest is history. Who, who's the coolest person that reached out to you so far? Oh boy, let's see. I I, I don't really know. I, I I I don't know. I wouldn't begin to know. I had like almost 300 texts so i had to <laughs> i had and i don't text too fast i'm one of those ones. <laughs> you're old school i'm old school it took me a long time i don't know i mean i've you know i've heard from verlander and Miggy's had stuff out there and i've, I've heard from but you know once again I, I i don't know that i could pick one guy out doug Graybeck just texted me this morning i want to Cy young for me here in pittsburgh so it's just hard to pinpoint you know, I, I got a beautiful text from Chris Illich, which, which, and I got a beautiful text from the owner of the Marlins and the, and the Pirates. So, so, I mean, it's just hard to, to pick out one. Jim, when you, uh, there's a lot of people that listen to this program who are in the business community who manage people every day. They don't manage a ball club or athletes, but they manage people. What's the most important thing you've learned about managing people that, that you could share with our audience? Well, I think that you have to understand that everybody has a position. And, um, I had a boss when I was at Detroit, and then I was kind of the boss on the field. And, and, and I think the biggest thing is that you have to find out what makes each one of your employees tick and how you're going to get the best out of them. And it's not the same for everybody. Somebody you might have to push a little harder. Somebody you might have to back off. Most of them you have to instill a lot of confidence because I think even as good as some of these players are, there is a slight bit of insecurity yet. Are they really good enough? Can I? Uh, I made it, but can I stay here? Can I do well here? I think you have to you have to communicate uh, each and every day as much as you possibly can. I know the corporate world's a little different, but in, in baseball, I try to communicate each and every single day with all my players in some way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, a, a minute conversation or a thirty-second uh, you know conversation, whatever it may be, or a half-hour conversation, but. You got to find out what makes them tick, what what makes them work, and how you're going to get the best out of them. Yeah, and that's true whether you're managing a ball club or a McDonald's or right. a bank. Absolutely. You know, well, he pushed the right he pushed the right buttons because he's the 23rd manager in the hall. <laughs> I appreciate that. We yeah, nice guy. Here's the headline: Nice guy finishes first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jim Leland, thank you so much. Congratulations. Detroit loves you. And, well, uh, I appreciate that very much, and uh, I love them, too. I think they know that. Yeah, we do. Thanks so much. Congratulations. Got it. Thanks. All right. Jim Leland, the newest member of the Hall of Fame, and won't that be an induction ceremony? I can't wait for that speech. That's, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, it's good. you, you got a hanky-handy? <laughs> yeah. You know he's going to need he one. He cries yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm he a wears crier. his heart on his sleeve. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. There's going to be big-time sniffles. Uh, When we come back, our good friend Mitch Albom on the day before his biggest day of the year.